Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Science Fiction Fantasy and Horror Podcast, episode 493, recorded on Thursday the 29th of June 2023 at 23.54.15. <laughs> to squint a bit there. Ah, I'm back, determined to keep my energy levels up during this podcast so I don't sound quite as morose as on the last one, that's never a good thing. This is, after all, supposed to be entertaining. The first thing that you have to know is I'm again back on my Shure SM58 microphone. I know, I know, I don't know what I'm doing swapping between the Shure SM7B and this mic, but in every test I do, after the recording, this mic, the cheaper mic, sounds better on me. Ah. As you already know from downloading this episode, today I'm talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. What's specifically interesting and of note about this movie is that it is my first time back in the cinema since the plague, COVID. (laughs) I decided to visit my local cinema for the first time since the plague began, partly to cheer myself up and not become a total shut-in, which is always a danger with me. And so, on Monday the 26th of June, in the blazing heat, I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, not in 3D, but in 2D, at my local cinema. First, let me relate to you the cinema-going experience after such a long time. The first thing I noticed is I didn't pay as much as I thought I would. I knew cinema prices had gone up, or at least I thought they had, but because I booked online, I paid substantially less. Also, another good thing is that the two ticket checkers I met were both lovely, and I'd like to thank them for making my experience pleasant. Another thing that was good is that the auditorium was fairly sparse, so I didn't have to worry about people sitting right next to me and spewing all sorts of filth everywhere. And now, the cons. The shopping centre car park that I use, has increased its price. The parking cost there has more than doubled recently, which negated somewhat the money that I saved on the ticket price. At the cinema, one of the disabled loo doors was broken and just hanging there completely uselessly. During the film, a mother had decided to bring her very young daughter 
I would say about four or five, maybe even younger, to this film, which is a 12A, which is a strange parental choice, given that the film does have some fairly violent moments and some fairly horrific moments as well. But the biggest kick in the teeth for me was that despite me assiduously avoiding any and all teasers for the final indie film, a big spoilery trailer was thrown right in my face before the film. And you know how much I have been avoiding those trailers for the last Indiana Jones film, because it is a film I'm so looking forward to. I'm now debating whether to see it in the cinema after this spoiler. I'm not sure. But I've seen all the other indie films in the cinema. It'd be a shame, I suppose, not to see this one also. I don't know. I haven't made a choice yet. When the film itself actually started, I found the sound clear, but painfully loud. It was like there had been a huge boost in the treble. I don't know why it was like that. Is that what cinema sound has always sounded like? It certainly made the dialogue clear. And also the picture occasionally seemed a little blurred and out of focus. While I do love the cinema, and like I said, I'm debating whether I should see the latest indie film in the cinema. For the first time in my life, I am seriously considering uh, some kind of modest home cinema setup. It's not something I particularly approve of, because having a home cinema tends to be expensive, although it's just come down a lot in price recently, which is why I'm considering it, especially the costs of 50-inch TVs. They are surprisingly low, and some of them are surprisingly good at the moment. I don't know. Before COVID, I was... A fairly hardcore cinema goer. And of course, going to the cinema also gets you out of the house. I don't know. I don't know. Okay then, now that I've told you about actually going to the cinema, let me tell you about the film with my rather extremely spoiler-strewn review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So, if you haven't seen the movie yet, I suggest you wait until you do see the movie before you listen to this. Let's start off with some preliminaries. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, released this year, is the third and final sequel of the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. The other films were in 2014 and 17, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Nice, easy naming scheme for the titles of these films. It is a Marvel superhero science fiction movie by James Gunn, starring our heroes that we've 
come to know and love Chris Pratt as Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord. Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Dave Bautista as Drax the Destroyer. Karen Gillan as Nebula. Pom Clementiev as Mantis. Vin Diesel as Groot. And Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. There are, of course, other actors in the film, but those are our heroes. They are the Guardians. I'm going over very old ground that every single geek in the known universe already knows, so apologies for that. I just want to be as detailed as possible, although not too detailed. I don't know. I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. The movie is about the Guardians trying to steal back this code which will unlock Rocket's systems so that he can be treated with a med pack after he is seriously injured when Adam Warlock, although in the film I think he's just called Adam, attacks their base on nowhere. That's that huge head of a dead god floating in space. Amazing stuff. Rocket Raccoon, as we know, is a cyborg raccoon who's had his intelligence uplifted. And in a very modern way indeed, his systems have a proprietary lock so that he can't be interfered with, including helping him, as is the case here, which does bring to mind John Deere Tractors. It also brings to mind the villain of the piece, the High Evolutionary. This guy is a mad scientist intent on creating the perfect society from scratch by experimenting on both sentient and animal live subjects. Rocket was one of his early experiments, along with a cadre of other animals who became Rocket's family and then later died when Rocket attempted to escape. Despite the strong rumours that one of the Guardians would die, by the end of the movie no one does. And in fact, Rocket recovers because the Guardians find that code, unlock him and treat him with a med packs, and also becomes the captain of the Guardians, because the team break up, with Star-Lord and Mantis going their own separate ways. Star-Lord returns to Earth to meet his grandfather, and the post-credits scene promises his return as legendary Star-Lord. A future film, which I do think Chris Pratt is still involved with, no doubt based on the titular 2014-2015 to comic book series by Sam Humphreys and Paco Medina. That... In a nutshell, is what happens. Of course, there's lots of other stuff that happens, but I'll be talking about this all night. And this podcast 
generally runs for about half an hour. Other than those main parts of the plot, we have the sheer weirdness of characters like the High Evolutionary and Adam Warlock, and places like Orgocorp, Squishy, Organic, Intestine-like, rather repulsive as well, Space Station, with its guards who wear these pressure suits that are also soft and squishy and cream-coloured and blobby. Yeah, they look like maggots. They look like maggots swarming around an intestine. How lovely. There's also Counter-Earth, populated by the cast from the island of Dr. Moreau. All these things are incredible to behold. And part of the franchise's stock in trade, we get these amazing visuals in all three movies. Not just visuals, but very creative ideas. Comic book movies have come so far. Well, we've probably got Marvel to thank for that in any case. There's also the subplot of Will They or Won't They? Whether Star-Lord and Gamora's romance will rekindle after she was killed and an earlier version of her returned in Avengers Infinity War from 2018. Then there's also the sub-subplot of Sean Gunn's, Craglin's various attempts, mostly unsuccessful until the end, to learn to use Yondu's arrow weapon. As they say in Shakespeare in Love, I think it's Geoffrey Rush who says that, doesn't he? There's even a bit with a dog. So love and a bit with a dog. That's all people really want. In this case, the dog is Cosmo the Space Dog, an intelligent, sentient dog with psionic powers, who is, after all, a good dog. That's a little in-joke, because during the film, Kraglin decides to call the poor little doggy a bad dog, and that really upsets Cosmo. But Cosmo is a good dog. As you've probably cottoned on to now, there's a lot going on, but it's well apportioned and easy to follow and understand. There's also Nathan Fillion, with a small part as a chap called Master Karja, a slightly thick blue-collar Orgocorp security chief. And the role he plays is played mostly for laughs. Like the other films in the series, it is colourful and it is full of action and comedy, but also tempered with sombre moments and tones and themes, which is an impressive feat to accomplish. The tone expressed here is largely the result of the High Evolutionary's horrific treatment of his living subjects, 
and his utter disregard for anything except twisting science to his own perverse ends. Even at the time of the trailers and teasers, it was very, very clearly very heavily influenced by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely's We Three from 2004. That is a comic book about the cruel experimentation and exploitation of animals. In that comic book, they are used as weapon systems, they're converted into cyborgs, and they have their intelligence uplifted, and it all backfires, unsurprisingly. I talked about We Three quite favourably on this podcast all the way back in 2013, Pod 15. Wow, that is a long, long time ago. I don't know about the legal aspects of taking something from another property. I mean, it isn't a direct copy or particularly plagiaristic because you can't really copyright an idea, but apparently James Gunn did want to adapt We Three and this is his way of doing it. I haven't really read anything on what Grant Morrison or Frank Quitely thinks of this, so... But it is very, very obvious that that's where that part of the core storyline came from. What else can I say? Well, I've briefly described the plot and told you what happens and told you about its relation to We Three. In conclusion, I would say that this last film in the series, across the board, script, acting, effects, creature design, cinematography, pacing, soundtrack, etc., etc., are great. This is a good film. Though, as I've said before at this stage, saying that this is a good film for most Marvel films feels redundant. Although the MCU is still occasionally capable of pumping out hot garbage, like, well, the Doctor Strange films, for example. So perhaps it's still something worth mentioning when it goes well. There's not much else to say other than see this movie. You'll enjoy it. If you listen to this podcast... And you've heard me over the years, over the more than a decade now, talking about geek stuff and stuff that I like. I like this movie. If you share some of my same attributes, you'll like it too. It does have, like I said, at its core, a fairly disturbing premise about vivisection and cruelty to animals. There are some fairly violent bits and some fairly horrific bits as well. Just bear that in mind if you're taking along small children or you're of a sensitive disposition. And that's it for my review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. An interesting experience going back to the cinema. As I said, not sure that I enjoyed it. The film was okay, 
but the whole experience, uh, there were good points and there were bad points. And the price of those big TVs are coming down. Okay, moving on to our only other real topic, and that is the news about Julian Sands. The remains of Julian Sands, who went missing while hiking, were found recently. Sadly, Julian Sands shot to fame alongside Helena Bonham Carter in A Room with a View from 1985, but he later went on to many roles in both Art House and, of course, and this is where it concerns us, in the geek sphere, like Gothic from 1986, Warlock from 1989, Arachnophobia from 1990, and other films as well. Of those, I don't like Warlock, but I really do like Gothic, and Arachnophobia is very entertaining as well. R.I.P. Julian Sands, 1958-2023. And that's as sad as the news is going to get today. Ah, what else? Well, nothing really. I've finished talking. I've finished podcasting. If you've read the Twitter feed, I said that I'll be doing back-to-back episodes... This one and then a Doctor Who Revisit, and the Doctor Who Revisit is Snake Dance. So I'm going to have a little break now, and then I'll tackle Snake Dance. But until then, the show that you just listened to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Mator, a writer. Mator is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymator.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen, recommend it to a friend or mortal enemy, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Thanks for tuning in. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction fantasy and horror podcast, I am planning to change the title of this podcast because I'm getting tired of saying Captain Roy. I'm really getting tired of it. But anyway, until that change, this was episode 493, recorded on Thursday the 29th of June 2023, but ending on Friday the 30th of June 2023 at 00250010. Oh, <laughs> Sorry about that. Again, had to really squint at the bottom of the screen. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye.